Hey, Stevie Taylor here. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. As I've always said, the Gig Life Podcast is free to you. It always has been and it always will be free for you to access the interviews and the related content at any time. But like anything else these days, the Gig Life Podcast costs money to produce. Websites, podcast hosting subscriptions, travel costs to visit the guests for interviews, Wi-Fi and data costs, production equipment upgrades, as well as the time, of course. Now, if you see the value in the Gig Life Podcast, if you would like to help, and of course, if you're able to, you can now donate. I have set up a secure link where you can donate to the Gig Life Podcast. You can give as little or as much as you like. It's not a recurring payment thing. It's not a Patreon-type setup where you pay to continue to, to receive the content. It's completely voluntary. If you choose to give nothing, that's perfectly fine. You will still be able to listen to the podcast as you have to this point, and you will continue to receive the new episodes as they become available, just like everybody else. Nothing will change. But whatever you do give will be very much appreciated, and also know that you'll be helping me to bring you and everybody else all these great interviews. The secure donate link is in the show notes of this episode or on the website, thegigloffpodcast.com. As always, you can contact me anytime via the website. There's a contact uh, section on the website there, or you can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram, and the handle there is at the Gig Life Podcast, um, or you can hit me up on Twitter at the Gig Life Pod, or you can email me the Gig Life Podcast at gmail.com. Anyway, hope you enjoy this episode, episode number 62 with Mr. Andy Karyophilus. My guest today is founder, singer, manager of Jellybean Jam and diehard Sydney Roosters supporter Andy Karyopoulos. Jellybean Jam have been part of the Sydney cover band scene since 1993 and that's 26 years, specialising in corporate functions, charity balls, conferences, Christmas parties and weddings and they've performed over three and a half thousand shows and they're still going strong. I've known of Andy since the mid to late 90s when we used to go out and see Jellybean Jam play at the Castle Hill Tavern amongst other places. Um, They were part of an extremely exciting time in Sydney throughout the 90s and into the early 2000s. Those of you who were around that time will know exactly what I'm talking about. It was great to sit down and hang and talk with Andy about those days in the 90s through the 2000s when the Sydney Olympics came to town, which started the Jellies on their corporate gig journey. I think 26 years in any job is something to be celebrated, especially so if it's a band. So sit back and hear about how it all started for Jellybean Jam and how it's still kicking today. So ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Andy Karyopoulos. Cheers. All right, I think we're rolling. Cool. Andy Karyophilus. 
Stevie, welcome to the Good Life Podcast, mate. I'm loving it. Thank you so much for having me, mate. I'm a little bit uh, a little bit embarrassed that you asked me to be on, but what, in a, in a good that? way. Oh, I know. Just like I had to listen to some of the other podcasts, and I'm going, cool. There's some pretty cool dudes on there, and there's a there's a fat little Greek hairy bloke that <laughs> sings for Jelly Bean Jam, and you're asking me, can ask me some questions. <laughs> well, so you I, know what? If you'd if you'd made time for me a year ago. I wouldn't have been so fat. No. Right. No, no, because then you, you would have set the benchmark, see? Really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good call. But we uh, we tried to do this did, 12 yeah. months ago. Yeah, but we you're moving our, house. Moving house. And, and uh, the reason um, I wanted to do it last year was because it was the 25th anniversary of Jelly Bean Jam. Yeah. 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 Um, if people don't know who Jelly Bean Jam is, you'll end up knowing a fair bit about them after this. Yeah, cool. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Cool, man. Now, um, we're in a bit of a Sydney Roosters shrine here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the other love of my life is is the uh, back-to-back premiership winning Sydney Roosters. Right. Spent a lot of time uh, supporting uh, in my my life and uh, and, and thankfully have uh, instilled that... that, Maniac kind of quality into my kids that they love it as well. That's so awesome. It's been great. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's my big release from you know doing twenty five years of Jelly Bean Jam and some other bands before that, and it's just it's a good opportunity to go away and just you know focus on something else. And, and to be honest, for me, sport is is um is, is entertainment, and I've always seen it as entertainment. So like players when they're not on the grog and carrying on like idiots like but it's just like going to a pub but these guys I, I pay to go and watch a footy game just like someone would want to come and watch us perform I go and watch them perform and I just get the buzz and, I, and I'm in awe of uh, especially the last two years you know yeah, it's yeah. been pretty good but we won't go can I can I just yeah. can I six again ah uh, <laughs> I wanted, I, know, to, I wanted to try I and get know. a reaction. And, you know, it's pretty yeah, – yeah, we've had this conversation last week. All right, can I get your take on that? Okay, so what, yeah. what my take on that is I totally understand where Canberra would be upset about it and because and, if it happened to our team as well, I'd be, I'd be pretty ropeable. But inevitably they got the call right yeah. and, and had it gone past the, the six again and they scored on the second or third play after that yeah. – to be honest, as a, as a Rooster supporter, I've copped it all my life. Yep. And there's a lot of neutrals out there and yep. I'm sure that, you know, that, that would love to see us not go back to back, let alone finish in the top eight, like finish last. Right. So I'm sure that if it went further and they scored on the next, on the third play or something, mm-hmm. they would have gone back and, and had a look and said, oh, you know, actually James Tedesco, I don't think he touched the ball. So it wouldn't have been a 60 game call, but every... Other neutral, and I say that nicely because I've got some good mates that go for Souths <laughs> and whatever, would be going, they'd be going, mate, just get over it. Yeah. Just get over it. But I think it. the fact that it was Canberra and it was uh, the, and the underdog, and yeah. I would definitely have been cheering for Canberra had it been any other team. Um, I think that sort of maybe just taints the vision a little bit. And, and that's, mm. and I think it was just a, an unfortunate call mm-hmm. as a six again. And I've, But I think we, the Roosters had to then go, 85 metres on the next oh, yeah. to was, score a brilliant try. Was, so You're right there. It was I think, you know, yeah. and, there was, and, and through that whole game there was definitely like the Cooper Cronks in Binders. There's those stuff that didn't go. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I think the Roosters just went, you know what, move on. Let's just go with it. And that's what they've done. So 
So that's my take on the six again. Awesome. But, but, uh, but I do, yeah, I felt sorry for Canberra at the time. Yeah. Um, not now? No, I wouldn't. Nah, not now. No, no. Not, no, no. I, actually, I lie. When we were there watching it, we had no idea what was going on because we were, I was at the game with my family and yep. we were on the other end. And so we okay. just saw all of a sudden we're going 80 metres and score a try. So we're pumped up and yep. you've got a screen, you've got euphoria at the ground. So it wasn't until after the game I'm receiving all these nasty text messages. Oh, really? oh not nasty, but, oh, okay. you know. That, that shouldn't have been or whatever. And I go, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Tedesco scored. And I'm going, you're talking about the Cooper Cronk Symbian? They're going, no, didn't, are you at the game? I'm at, I'm at the game. But I didn't hear any. Oh, okay. And then it felt a little bit hollow until right. I went home and watched it again and then right. made up my own mind and went, yeah, hollow for about an hour. <laughs> back to back. Back to back. <laughs> three peak. Let's do three peak. Come yeah. On. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's, um, let's roll. Back to early days. Yeah. Now, um, you're born at Seven Hills. Yeah, Seven Hills Hospital. Yep. Um, Greek, Greek mother and father. Yeah, so mum and dad. So I've got Greek heritage. Um, mum and dad were actually born in Alexandria in Egypt. So oh right, okay. before the sort of Second World War, mm-hmm. there was a big migration over from you know all of Europe, and they and they ended up in Alexandria. Um, and they didn't know, they sort of knew each other, met each other once or twice back then, but it was sort of like a fleeting little look. Mum was kind of hot for some other bloke. My dad was, um, I think, on his way to getting engaged to someone else. But, um, but yeah, a lot of Greeks went over there and then literally at some stage the, the um, Prime Minister or whatever it is of, of Egypt just kind of went, people with money, like, you've got to get out of here, you've got to give all your money away, just get out, you've got to leave your belongings. So they just made the, you know... 40-day boat trip over from um, individually different times. Dad came over to get, uh, was engaged to someone in Melbourne, basically turned up to Melbourne and went to the engagement party and at the end of the engagement party they said, thanks very much, close the door, see you later, we're keeping all the gifts. So he was sort of walking around yeah. Melbourne going, wow, what, what happens now? And then my mum was living up in Sydney um, and knew his sister uh, quite well. So he made the trek up to um, Sydney and then three or four months later they started sort of hanging out together and I think, you know, they were watching the pyjama game one day and the six of them were all sort of sitting next to each other in George Street and he leans over to my mum and he says, oh, do you want to go and watch a movie? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, whoever else wants to come along. She goes, no, 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 just you and me. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and not long after that, maybe six months after that, engaged, married and, uh, yeah, so. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Just... Going back to when they were in Egypt and whoever said, okay, we're going to take your money. What, can you explain that? Why, well, why was I don't that? know, to be honest, I don't know enough about it. Oh, that's, right, that's, okay. what, that's what I kind of have been told. But I think it was just, it might have been a bit of a, I won't quote history because I'm not really good at that. Yeah, but but for the story that I've been told that, yeah, they, they just literally got told, you've got to get out of here. you got to, and, and they were, I suppose, living over there, they kind of had, a little bit of money because mm-hmm. they'd worked hard. And it's you know they were coming over from from Greece, like their parents from Greece and stuff like that. They would have had a little bit of coin to play with. Yeah. Got over there, and I think it was just this big change. And it was just like you know, if you're not an Egyptian, um, even though you're born there, if you're not with Egyptian heritage, you've got to get out of here. Or right. so much get out of here, like give us so much money and stay or go. Oh, right. And they went well, and everyone went. You know what? At that time, geez, Australia sounds pretty pretty good, mm-hmm. and headed down to Australia. Mm. Yeah. You got any brothers or sisters? Got an older brother mm-hmm. uh, and an older sister. Okay. Yeah. Music in the family? 
Nah. Not at all. Not at all. No. So um, uh, my brother can probably sing. I mean, funny story there too that uh, I'm the biological one and my brother and sister were both adopted. Okay. Many years ago. So, And we kind of didn't know about that till about sort of 30s after my... My dad passed away in 86, so I was in my final year at school uh, in, um, in year 12 and then um, and he got unwell. He had, had lung cancer and passed away. So it was a big sort of eye-opener at the age of 17, sort of, you know, really um, opened your eyes up to the world. And I was the youngest of the family and it was, I think, um, always mum's and dad's wishes not for us to know that George, my brother George and my sister Christine were adopted. Mm. And I think we didn't know anyway. We'd like, we, we, we just thought we were one happy family. That was my older brother. And it was funny because people would say, they look at photos and go, man, you look nothing like your brother and your sister. And I go, oh, Thank God for that, you know. <laughs> Would and, have been even know, funnier if they said, oh, your brother and your sister look like your mum and dad, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, you know, you go on and think, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty, um, it's pretty funny because you used to laugh and go, yeah. I know. And they used to say it a lot. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden something kind of happened and we, and we found out. It was a real shock to the family. Mm. But it didn't ever change what we thought about mum and dad. You know, like we just went, mum and dad are just, they didn't tell us because they didn't want it. They didn't want them to know that they were unloved. You know what I mean? They just yeah, watched. And, and back then, too, being Greeks, uh, it was you wouldn't really, if you were going to adopt someone, you wouldn't adopt. You, like Greeks would be easily grabbed because there wouldn't be a lot of kids being Greek being up for adoption. So they would go straight to Greek parents. Great Greek parents. So it was quite quick. So once they put the forms in, it didn't take them long to right. get my brother. A couple of years later, I get my sister. Um, and then all of a sudden... Oh, okay, so your brother and sister aren't biologically... No, no, okay, good. no, yeah, so... Yeah. And, then from, um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm pregnant. So I'm kind of like the miracle child. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the brat. But, yeah, so that, yeah, so it was a bit of a story back then, you know. And, and then when it came out, it was a real shock to everyone. But, like I said, it was never anything that we went, oh, you know, what, you know, our parents bad parents it was like wow and and it was i've said this before and 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 not making it up now but i I used to say geez if i could never have kids this is before i found out i'd i'd adopt so when when it all yeah so when it all happened i was like wow it just made me realize what people that adopt kids give like do you know Mm -hmm. and like you know especially with kids that probably find out later on and start to resent their parents because they didn't know and they weren't told like I, i i hold them in very high esteem. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. What was your schooling like? Oh, so what, what school did you go to? Uh, so I went to Blacktown Boys High. Yep. Yeah, good school. I mean, Blacktown doesn't get the best raps these days mm-hmm. uh, and probably for a long time and it's, it's a shame because when we went to school there were a lot, a lot of talented kids that came through that school that were that have not so much talented but like kids that have kicked goals, like big goals around and whether it be... Um, sports or music, um, you know, my business partner, Rob, we went to school together. I met him at school. Oh, right, okay. He'd come over yeah. from, um, from Hungary and he couldn't really speak a word of English when he got to sort of school. And about two years later, he's, Rob is the most Australian wog 
you've ever met. Yeah, man. When can you I get, say wog? I can yeah, say wog, yeah. So, yeah. Wog can say wog. Wog can say wog, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's the most Australian wog. Like by the time he was here for two years, he was mate, g'day mate, the whole thing. It was yeah, just, yeah. yeah. It was just an Aussie. Yeah, yeah. And he could talk more than talk. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when he, yeah, so um, so we met at school and then there was, you know, it was, um, we never, growing up in Blacktown, never really, no, not, again, not saying that Blacktown is, has got, has been tarnished a bit, mm-hmm. but um. I grew up a Westie and I loved it. Like, I grew up in Layla Park. So I um, went, to, you know, Blacktown boy. So I, I was vice captain of the school, uh, which is – that last year was a tough year. Like I said before, my, my dad got sick right. in year 11 and then passed away in April in year 12. So I think at that time I just kind of went – I kind of could have just left and gone a little bit crazy. Um, but we had such a good year 12 and, and I think – I don't know whether I'll probably be one of the first people at school that may have lost a parent because it just really that year felt like we all just became really, really close and, and, mm. and everyone was looking out for everyone. And my best mate, uh, a guy called Dick Mammoth, was just my, my rock and he was still my best mate now, you know, like another Greek guy. He ended up being school captain mm. uh, and I was vice captain. But he was a big dude. He was like even at the age of, you know, four, what are you, year 12, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, I don't know. He was like, you know. The big dude, like right. muscly, not muscly, but just a, and I was this little wimpy looking dude, but I saw like the little dog and the little, the big dog and the little dog barking <laughs> around him. But, um, but yeah, we got on like the best mates and have always been, but I think, yeah, so with the two Greeks, we're running the school. So we, yeah, it was <laughs> great. Cool. It was great. It was a, definitely a good, you know, like I said, it's, it was a good school. Mm. It cops a bit of a bad name now, but okay. back then, you know, the, Yes, yeah, so some great musos have come from that school. I mean, from the girls' school next door, um, a form below us, Tony Collette, was, well, so we were, right. you know, haven't seen her in years, but we were in productions together and stuff right. like that. So I did a lot of musicals at school. Yeah. I did, um, uh, would sort of always kind of get one of the lead, like I, I did more, I didn't play as much back then because I played keyboards, mm. but I was, I'm a bit of a, I'm not the best keyboard player, but I used to. I, I sort of learned just from ear. And we we had you know a band after school where we'll, we had two synthesizer players because we were into pseudo work going Duran Duran, and I had the, I had the guitar and all that kind of stuff going on. But at school, I would do productions and musicals. And my main passion was always wanted to be an actor. That's what I really wanted to be. More so than a muser, I wasn't really ever going. I want to be playing in a band. So was this was there somebody that inspired that in you? I don't know. Like I, I always loved comedic actors, like right. you know, like the Robin Williams and all that kind of right. stuff, and guys like that. Plus, I like my De Niro's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know. Back then, I just I kind of fell into it. I just really, I suppose, I was always a bit of a cheeky one at school. So at school, I'd always be the one that would cop twelve detentions in a row. But it wouldn't <laughs> be because I would get them because um, I was a bad kid. Mm-hmm. It'd be like. Carry off us, keep going, you get another one. Oh, come on, miss, you ca- Another one. Oh, miss, you're slack. Another oh, yeah. one. So I think one week I ended up spending, I had 12 detentions from my English teacher and it was every uh, every lunchtime and I'd stand outside the the, uh, the English staff room. So you were that lippy kid that yeah. <laughs> I was just, just couldn't let it go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd stand outside the staff room and I'd sort of go, do you guys need anything in there? No, carry off us. Keep it quiet, please. And are you sure? No, no, no. Oh. After about the fourth day, they went, look, okay, just just go. <laughs> just no more detention, just go. Like I think they just had enough. But it was never a, um, 
you know, I, was, I think I was a good student. I was a fun student. I think that, and I think that whole acting and music side of it were really like they they kind of like that. You know, you could be a bit cheeky and get away with it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and so I kind of did that, and that that kind of, yeah, yeah. So it's for school. So that was, I, and I think that especially that last year. Um, with what had happened, I really just started to focus on playing a little bit more. Right. We had a school band mm-hmm. uh, called called Montro. Montro, awesome. Montro, Montro Jazz Festival. We weren't yeah, jazz yeah, players, yeah. but but back then we were doing our, you know, the, the, the like Ice House, and we were doing um, Duran Duran, Sido Echo, all that kind of stuff. You know, Nick Kershaw, the stuff that I Nick Kershaw was my idol. Like growing yeah. up, like he was like the dude, Nick Kershaw. I loved the keyboard side of it, and I loved the way he wrote and. He was just, he was the guy, you know, so had the same kind of, well, I had the mullet, but the curly mullet at the back, you know, because <laughs> I got the curly hair. Yeah. Um, and I think it just started to then go, let's play a bit more and, you know, music ended up becoming a bit of a release for us and we put the band together and we would do the school disco or we'd do, and we'd have those gigs where we'd have a microphone taped up with gaff and no foldback and, you know, like, and the, and the mic stand would be taped up. as We had two mic stands and we'd share. It was kind of like Beatles in the 60s, you know. Right. But, um, but you're rock stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was cool. So everyone kind of dug the fact you were in the band and you, you do that and sort of um, – and then literally that band sort of changed its name, I think. I'm trying to remember. What, but it became – then when we finished school in 86 – we um we had some of the guys from school that we played together, um, and we decided to put a band together called White Lies, and uh, again same sort of repertoire and stuff like that, and and we went and did an Ozbike, there was the Ozbike magazine, I think it's still around, but they had a, a, an Ozbike promotions, so they looked after bands, mm. and we went to a competition at the old Vauxhall Inn, which is called something else now, but it's on a Monday night, and we went through the third heat, and we we won the band competition. And Mal Eastick was the judge. Oh, right. And to be honest, I think they kind of looked at us because we attracted such a good young crowd of friends. We packed the place out on a Monday night. It would be sacrilege if they didn't give us the award. So, and there would have probably been better bands, but we were this, we were sweating up. We had the, the tubular, you know, keyboard stands. I had a D50 and a DX7 and all that kind of stuff. And I came out with a guitar and I, <laughs> we were living the dream, you know. And so we won this kind of contract to become the to be on Ozbike's books and we did every gig on the south coast you know all the way down to Eden every weekend every weekend we drive two hours we come back we drive three hours back then you didn't have enough money for petrol you know we almost got remember coming back and doing a gig uh with the drummer Joe Rami great drummer Joe and he's coming up and and we were sort of in that between Sort of Helen, not in the Helensburg, or even between Helensburg and coming back up to Sutherland, and we had the little green station, the Gemini station wagon, you know, and and it was on empty, and we're going, yeah, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, but we just back then, man, it's just it's so different because you're playing music, and not that I don't love it now, but it was all that on a whim, you know. Oh my god, we're in a band, we're yeah, we've got our girlfriends with us, we we just camp by the beach if we're tired, and it just was. It, it was fun. It was it was a learning experience. Yeah. Mm. When did um, when did Jelly Bean Jam start? So, start. Yeah. So so why did, why did it start? Yeah. Well, I mean, we did that for White Lies for a couple of years. Mm. I left. I was I kind of semi retired. I don't want to do this anymore. No, and I started working at a <laughs> at a, a, a just a sort of backyard recording studio in um, Marylands for in Greystones for a while. And I just really wanted to be, and then by that time, 
the acting bug had kind of gone. I wanted to be a recording engineer and I wanted to work in a studio and produce, you know, this 18-year-old. So I started doing that for a little while and then got bored with that again and the guys were saying, come on, let's put a band together. So we put a band together um, in 1991 with, with Rob mm. uh, and then some other friends and... and um, I just auditioned a few people. And that was called Love in the Jungle, right? So cool name. Yeah, yeah. I got the hell. It's under there. It's time you had some Love in the Jungle, right? And <laughs> and go, what is that Love in the Jungle? I mean, what's in the name anyway? Love in the Jungle. So we went okay, and we we started playing for about we played for about maybe just under two years, and we had the concept back then. We were wearing the coloured suits. And that was because we copied a band called Colour Me Bad. They had a couple yeah, of yeah, sets and, yeah. and they were like, oh, cool, yeah, we're going to do that. So yeah. I was playing keys at the time, um, Girl Up Front, five-piece band. A, few, a lot of the stuff was sequenced uh, and I'd play along and, and fill out the tracks, but there was a lot of live stuff. Um, and we'd play the Orient Hotel every Saturday night at the Rocks when it was a really good gig, when it was like open open air and people would stand at the top. It was like a coliseum. You'd watch from the third level down, the second level down, the place would be packed. Mm. So we were doing 11 o'clock till 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I was then driving home to Blacktown at, you know, getting home by 5.30, whatever, because you'd have a drink afterwards. Yep. And they had no freeways back then. It was just Victoria Road, an yep. hour and 20 minutes to get home. Yep. Um, and then we did that for a while and then you started to meet other guys from other bands. They'd come and watch you because we, we were lucky to score that residency. Then we were doing... Heap of gigs. We did end up doing a lot of gigs, but we were going out for mega cheap back then too because you just right. wanted to play, you know. You, you make enough for petrol, really, back in, that was like 91. And then there were some other bands around. There was Baby Loves a Cha-Cha. Mm-hmm. There was a band called Kiss Me Pink, which was like an offshoot of Baby Loves a Cha-Cha. Mm-hmm. And uh, drummer Mark and the guitarist Andy and um, I think one of, them, one of the singers, we just all started chatting one day and I think we just had a bit of a thing where we thought, we want to play together, you know. And so we decided to pull Love in the Jungle. That finished. And then the concept came up for, well, why don't we do the sequel to Jelly Bean Jam? And at that point, to be honest, and I'll, I'll say this nicely, but I've never been a great singer, okay. I get away with it. I'm a good front man. I have a lot of fun. But I've never, ever been able, and, you know, I get in trouble from friends and my wife says, you actually you do really well. I go, yeah, I know. But I'm probably better now than I was 21 years ago, 25 years ago. But back then I went, if I auditioned for a band I'd never get in as a singer, how about I put a band together where I'm the singer <laughs> and I never have to audition. Yes. And 26 yeah. years later, I'm yeah, still yeah. the singer in the band and I'd always have... Oh, you go all right, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> We'd always have... Um, uh, I just, uh, for me, it's knowing your limitations. Yeah, and, okay. If, and if you know your limitations and, you know, I'm never going to be the voice that I'd love to be, but I know that I have fun when I'm on stage and that I know how to, I think I can work a crowd pretty well, but then I go, that doesn't suit my voice as much as I really want to sing that song. It's a bit high. Well, it won't sound too bad if a girl sings it, so we can still do the song. And I don't want to take it down, you know, two tones and it starts to sound pretty ordinary. So, um, yeah, so basically we then put this band together and, um, and we kind of, um, we had a gig and, I, and we wanted to play at the Wollongaloo Bay Hotel because that was the gig. Mm-hmm. Sunday nights at the Wollongaloo Bay mm-hmm. was just crazy. Six till nine, One It Wonders were playing, the Club Nerd were playing. It was, I just want to play at this room, you know. And back then we had no aspirations of being in a band for more than a couple of years and having fun, not 26 years later. And we're there and we're going, okay, so we've invited the, we've invited the licensee, John Franks, wonderful man, right, from the Wollongaloo 
And somehow he said, okay, I'm going to come down and watch you guys at the Orient Hotel, all right? You better be good. We're starting at 10, it's late, or 11 o'clock, it was a late night, and come down and watch it. All right, sweet. So he, I could see him out the front there, and we're there, and just, I was just like, my heart's pounding, you know, we're doing this gig. And just about the start, we go 10 minutes into a medley, there's a fire, electrical fire <laughs> in the building. Electrical fire in the building, evacuate, evacuate. He leaves. I'm going, no, we're packing all our gear up, getting out of there. And I'm going, there's our chance. Missed opportunity. He liked us enough for 10 minutes that he went, I'll give you a, a gig. Gave us a gig on a Friday night. Came down, saw the whole band, liked it. And then literally, that was about... So we started Jellies in 93. And it was... Um, by the end of 93, he gave us a couple more dates. Then come 94, and for the next seven years, he then would just go... He'd ring us up and go, okay, what months of Sundays do you want? Like, you know, do you want to do three months of Sundays? So that would be like 12 gigs or 13 gigs, then the, whatever month it was, or four months. And then between us, Le Club Nerd and, and One It Wonders, we just did the, the run of Sundays. So all of a sudden you're playing in front of three, 400 people packed in this room and your craft just, you know, your, your ability to work a crowd. Yeah just goes bang you know yep. you go I oh, mean I've got these people they're watching me I'm being, pulling stupid faces like I do and I'm singing away and I'm <laughs> carrying on and Sunday nights are great because even if you had a crap night where you were singing really bad you just go la 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 you guys sing it and they'd sing the whole night and you'd pull a couple of stupid faces and look at the girls and, and we just cut our teeth on gigs like that and then the yeah. Sunday nights in Sydney just got better and better. Like you had the Clavelli Hotel, the Beach Palace, the Birkenhead Tavern, the Drumoyne Rowers. And it was like in the 90s, everyone wanted to go out on a Sunday. Yep. Not, they go out, Friday and Saturday night, you go out mm. and you go, man, I'm having a great night. I'm, it's a little bit of pressure because, you know, on a Saturday night you might think, you know, you're a single man, I hope I'll get like whatever happens, you know. Come Sunday, you go, man, my, my weekend was crap. I, I just didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't, I didn't get where I wanted to get. Yeah. And I'd see some of these guys at the Woolloomooloo. And they'd come down, they'd be just dressed in thongs, shorts and T-shirts and, you know, really low-key. And I'd say to these guys, oh, you know, good, right, how you going? Good, mate. Mate, I'm just going to have a quiet night tonight, a couple of beers, or, and then I'm, I'm going <laughs> home. And then Sunday nights for us, it'd be our Friday night. Okay. So we do, because we, we were doing sort of five nights a week in the 90s. So Sunday nights for us would be our Friday night drinks. So we'd then hang around with the staff at the Woolly Bay or the, the Palace or the Chloe, have a couple of drinks and end up at, you know, I think it was a Palladium back there, became the Empire. You had St. Patrick's, you had Kitty O'Shea's. You had oh, plenty St. Patrick's, options. that yeah. lug. Oh, yeah. That lug, that those lug. stairs, oh, come yeah, yeah. on. <laughs> well, yeah, you see, you have those Sunday night gigs. And then I'd be three or four in the morning, you know, and I mightn't have had a few to drink. I might have had a couple, parked the car, and I don't know where I was living there at the time. And I'd see that same bloke walking down the stairs. <laughs> I go, mate, what are you doing? He goes... Oh, mate. Oh, and, and these guys would then have to go to work the next day and back it up. Yeah. And we'd be going, I'm going to sleep in on Monday morning because we were kind of working part-time jobs here and there. You know, yep. I worked in a fish and chip shop two days a week for the bulk of the 90s and early 2000s making hamburgers. And, you know, it's, it's the good Greek boy, you know. Right. So, but, yeah, so, that, you know, you, you cut your teeth on those gigs mm. and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you, the vibe got up about the band and we're all this... This, oh, we were the younger version of all these guys. And because the name was Jelly Bean Jam, 
yep. and it wasn't really like a concept like Le Club Nerd or One Hit Wonders. We were more like um, just these young guys that we decided to do medleys and that was our thing. I started putting these medleys together and I thought, well, you know, I grew up on Stars on 45. Like I've been a while, I've been go to the, you know, the, the Castellarizzi Club and listen to DJs and go, I like how that just goes to the next one. Right. So then I just started doing these medleys. And then we all and we made them fit really well, and we'd have like a like a love medley or, or a disco medley or an eighties medley or a, an animal medley, and we'd put songs with animal names in there. We somehow would make them all work, and but then we'd throw up wigs and and you know we had the coloured suits and we'd have you know props and stuff like that. So all of a sudden we were this fun young band mm. that didn't take themselves seriously mm. had a really good repertoire. Yeah, that uh, I think people started to go oh. There's a new kid on the block, you yeah. know, like literally. So we're going to start watching these guys. So then we started pulling decent crowds around town. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we used to come and see you guys at Castle Hill Tavern. Oh. This would have been... The old tavern or the new tavern? The so old tavern. Oh, so, yeah. The so, old room. And yeah, the, the, yeah. Over the, Mate, you couldn't move in there. That was the best. Yeah. 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 So it, that would have been... No, that, that would have been up to about... 96, 97? Yeah, I think, I think 90... I think around ninety end of ninety seven they opened up the new room where they where they um, they finished that and they opened up that big barn and we yeah. did the opening night. I probably could even look it up. But we did the opening night, must have been ninety seven on that massive big stage. And all of a sudden the stage was like four meters high, so you yeah. felt like you was you, you could have. No, been that's that. the place I'm thinking. Oh, of. good. So before that, and and the, the the band room was up. Oh yeah, yeah. Right up the top in the top yeah. corner. Yeah. So before that, it was the room. Behind that, so that was right. there was an atmosphere. It was you could fit five hundred people in that room, right. and you'd have a real low ceiling. The stage was maybe six hundred mil high, mm. and it was pumping. It was it was unbelievable. Again, packed out room. Yeah. We supported the one hit wonders once, yeah, and that helped us as well. Like so, you know, because back then a lot of the bands, well, the one hit wonders were supporting Bjorn again. They weren't. They were a no band, and then all of a sudden they did this run of um, dates with Bjorn again. So they played to six hundred people. Oh right! And then they went, "Who are these guys?" And all of a sudden they, and then they were, they had an amazing concept, the one hit wonders, and yeah. they just they were nailing it back then. So to be sort of one of those bands back then was yeah. pretty cool, mm. considering we didn't have a concept. We were just this band that went, "Let's have fun, let's wear the coloured suits, let's do medleys, and not take ourselves seriously, and see where it gets us." And I just think. We're lucky enough that we had a good lineup. Um, we always had, or, or have always had good lineups, but we had a consistent lineup from '96 to 2000. Same people for four, five, whatever, four and a half, five years. And I think at that time we were doing four nights a week. One year we did 225 gigs. Mm. So one December we did, I think, 26 gigs in 24 days. Yeah, right. And I think just that, yeah. But, no in-ears back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, smoky rooms, mm. you know, you, and everyone just look out for each other. We had guitarist back then, Dave, gutsy. Like if he knew if I was struggling, he had a good voice too and he was a bit of a showman too. So he'd look at me and just jump on board and start taking over and I'd you know, give him the thumbs up. That's cool, eh? By the time the Sunday came, the same with the Woolamaloo gigs and those kind of gigs, you're like, I'm dying, I'm dying. Uh, how about you guys sing yeah, the crowd? And it was great. Oh, I was just... You love it, and but you, so many of my good friends now I've met from the nineties. Um, my wife, you know, I met her like through gigs, like. But some of the best friends I've made, like, were in the in the nineties, coming out to those gigs because they would come. Say, for instance, the Woolamaloo. That was not like a local. So that was like everyone's local because it was no one's local. Mm. If you know what I mean, like Beach Palace was 
eastern suburbs, Covelli, Birkenhead was the inner west. Woolloomooloo was Manly, Cronulla, Penrith. So we had people coming from everywhere. And at the Woolly Bay... You're stumbling you, down from the cross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And but, you turn up at the Woolly Bay and you go, oh, I'm just going to go out by myself tonight. Yeah. Because when I get there, I guarantee you I'll see someone that I saw last week. Then all of a sudden, these people just started becoming mates. You by yourself, come and hang with us. And it was just a great time in Sydney that mm. I don't... Without sounding negative, I don't know whether the new millennial generation's ever going to get that live band. I don't think they ever will. And we had no mobile phones. We yep. had phones back then, but nothing, you know, it was a brick. You couldn't take any photos. Yep. So everything that was going on back then was just, if you're going to go out and say, Stevie, mate, I'm going to the Woolly Bay on a Friday, and all of a sudden Stevie doesn't turn up, there's no texting, where are you, Steve, Facebooking, where are you, Steve, Twitter, <laughs> you know, Instagram, I'm here. Like, it's, mate, where's Steve? Okay, well... I ring his home next the next day. Yeah, Steve's mum picks up. Oh, Steve, he's not here. He's like, West, you know, but it's different. Now it's like it's just too easy to, I'm going somewhere else, I'm going somewhere else. And it's great too, like, like technology's been amazing. Yeah. You so yeah. you can't, there's no, but back then it was not, not even innocent. It was between the 70s, it was after the 80s, after the 80s, it was kind of like the 90s. It yeah. was just as things are starting to change. Olympics was hitting Sydney. Yep. And, you know, I think but it just, you'd go out and you'd drink beer, mm-hmm. spirits and wine. It was just before Stolly's Stolly's and all that, yeah. Red yep. Bull was coming out at some stage. Yep. So, so well, you know, you'd just have a beer. Yeah, that's you'd it. You'd have a Scotch and Coke. Yep. Like, then all of a sudden. Just going back to that, you know, communicating, finding out where, where each other is. For us, it was, we'd meet at the Northmead Bowling Club on a Thursday night. And plan the weekend. That's great. And there'd be that place used to be packed on a Thursday night. That's no, no music. Yeah, there was no music. You know, maybe TV playing something, but everybody was there. So you oh, knew what was... everybody was up. To. You yeah, knew yeah. where all the parties were. Yeah, because you went over to that table and you asked them. What are you guys up to this weekend? Oh, it's such and such as birthday. And it's, then... It was a good, yeah, definitely a good time to reflect oh, back in Sydney because, uh, yeah, it's it's like now, like you know, with kids. You, back then you'd ride your bike around and be home by the time the lights go off. Now it's just a little bit scarier. And a little bit, but yeah. it was probably just as scary back then, but we didn't it, it, feel it. It wasn't in the media. Wasn't you didn't it? feel it, exactly. Yeah, you you know, things it. obviously went down. So I think back then in the 90s, you're right, that whole technology thing of like, you know, you, you'd meet up and that was your Facebook. Exactly. That was your social media, mate. Yep. Talking to each other, going, what are you doing on the weekend? Great. And then turning up and having another night out. Now, uh, yeah. And, and that's the good and the bad, but it's such a evil necessity because really even for us now, like this whole thing with Facebook, with um, you put an event up and then, you know, you, you co-host it with the venue. And we didn't used to do that up until about a year and a half ago, then realise that oh, right. you, do, you co-host it with the venue and all of a sudden it goes on the venues page and people start liking it, people yeah. start saying they're going. And you can kind of gauge now if you're going to have a, a half-decent night for the amount of people, not that they're saying they're going, but they're saying they're interested. You right. go, okay, I think we might be, we might be all right tonight. So what, just on that then, how do you think seeing that so many people are interested or going, how does that in a percentage translate to the people that actually turn up? Yeah. Because well, it's really easy for someone to hit that little oh, yeah, interest start. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Look, yeah, I, think I, I do it. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, like, I'll do it if I think, and then I'll forget about it, and all of a sudden pops yeah. up and says, this is kind of, oh, I can't, I've got something on. But yeah. you're right, like people straight away get that initial bang, interested, interested, interested. 
I think then you've got to kind of got to just jump on and throw a little post up in that post saying, mm. can't wait for next week. Oh, yeah, it comes back up again. But you're right. I think a lot of the times, you know, if you're putting up a date six months in advance, I'll go, yeah, it sounds great. But within six months, mate, something happens, you're overseas, you're, yep. Yep. you're not even here anymore. You know, you never know what happens. So it's mm. like it's – I think um, – but I think – if you constantly just sort of throw it back out there and put something, it pops up in people's minds and then it comes, oh, yeah, cool. We're really careful with jellies that we do so much corporate work that we also have got rooms that we love playing at. So I, um, when I'm booking, because I book the band as well, and when I book the band, I make sure that I look at booking um, and, I, and I plan the tour. I actually plan 12 months in advance, mm-hmm. roughly, and I kind of then ring a couple of venues so I can give you a couple of dates. If something really good comes up, like an overseas trip, they go, Andy, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, and, they're, and it's a good relationship. But we, we're lucky enough after 26 years that we've built up that respect yeah. and rapport. Mm. And we, we do tend to pull a half-decent crowd. You know, there's if it's a brand-new room that we've never played at before, I'm, I'm very – I'm dubious, I'm worried, you know. If it's a room that we're constantly going well at, like the Bayview Hotel, which mm. is – We've been playing there for 26 years or 25 years. Yeah. You know, they're great. Yeah. We pull a great crowd and we try to make sure that every time we play there we're doing it a little bit differently and, yeah, and so cool. people just don't turn up and go, here it is again. And, and that's one thing I suppose about jellies. We've got over seven or eight hours worth of material. Mm-hmm. So we could, back in the days in the 90s, you play the Woolloomooloo and we could do a whole five-week month and not repeat a song. And we would because you do the ones that are the big ones, but you'd be able to then just pull out some random kind of song that you think is not going to go off and it goes off, but it's a sing-along song. But right. you couldn't do it on a Friday night because we wouldn't have the crowd there that would jump along and mm. would sing along to it. So, yeah. Do you write set lists or you call it off the cuff? So we, we do write a basic set list and my guitarist would probably, if he listens to this podcast, he'd go, yes, Andy. Like I, I, would, <laughs> I would do it all, my t- all along because, you know, I, I've put... I'm sort of the sole member left in the band. Yep. And these guys, we've had a good similar lineup for a few years now. But mm-hmm. and I've pushed a lot of those responsibilities on to some other people. And Adam, my guitarist, is kind of my right hand man. I'm pointing left, but he's right hand man. Uh, and I would say to him, you know, because I actually want to go out now and just mingle with my mates. I don't really want to be doing set lists. So I suppose I'd always run it a certain way, and then I'd always say to him. We'll do a set list, but on the night, I'm constantly turning around and calling it because, you you know, you, you might have a group of 18-year-olds walk in there that go whatever. And then funny enough, those 18-year-olds don't want to hear the new stuff that you just pulled in. They want to hear the retro. So you, you never really know. So we write it down. We write a set at a time. Mm. We don't write a full night. We never come printed with computer paper and I just go, zip, that's... And then, and then we just work it as the night's going and I kind of just go, yeah, that's working. And you'll look at me and you'll go... I go, what did you put that there for? But sometimes it'll kill it and I'll go, oh, that actually worked. You know, like it, Adam's great and I give him that responsibility but sometimes I kind of have to go, I think this might work a bit better. Yeah. Or I go, I can't hit that song, my voice hurts and it's a little bit on my top end, I'm going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what It's probably more the point, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, forgot to ask you earlier, where did the name come from? Oh, Jelly Bean Jam. Yeah, so, so at the time, um, well, the time, I say the time. At the time, um, we were into a, um, listening to a, to a, um, a, the band The Time. Like I, really, like my drummer put me on the band called The Time. Now The Time were a band that featured in Purple Rain. They're the Prince band, so Morris Day and The Time, and they're just great. And they had very similar kind of crazy suits, and they had a, um, 
they would do, they would do all the Prince would write all their music, but then they would go under the name The Time. So he'd literally write a demo and go, "Here's the song." They would play it note to note. And Morris Day was this eccentric front man that would uh, midway through a song would stop the band, and he'd call over his little lackey whose name was Jerome. And Jerome wasn't even like he'd just dance. He'd go, "Bring me a mirror." And then Jerome would bring a mirror for him and he'd do his hair. And the band would be stopped. And all of a sudden he'd go, and the band straight back in. And they started playing for Prince earlier on and really started to, Prince kind of went, well, I can't get you guys opening for me anymore because you're really good. And, that, and so in that band they had a, a drummer called Jelly Bean Johnson and they had Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Oh, so, so Jimmy Jam, uh, Janet Jackson, all that kind of stuff. Big 90s kind of producer. Um, so... Funnily enough, I was working in a milk bar at the time, at that milk bar, and I kind of loved, I loved the rock melons, the name the rock melons. I loved Kid Creole and the Coconuts back in the 90s. Like, I thought, I want a fun name. So, mm. so when we were trying to find the name, I kind of went, oh, Jelly Bean Jam. It kind of worked. And at the time, I went, well, that kind of works with the fact that we're going to go with coloured suits. Because they're the colours. So you decided on the suits at that yeah, stage? Yeah, because we, we were doing them in Love in the Jungle. With the colour co- co- To be honest, we, yeah. Well, we didn't actually. When we first started, the first gig we ever did was at the... At the, um, at the oh, Sydney Saloon. It was a Tuesday night, industry night. And to be honest, we didn't actually have the coloured suits. I lie, we went away from that. We thought, we're not going to do the coloured suits. Okay. We were wearing these disgusting kind of flannelette. I don't know what they were, top and bottom. It was this guy. And I had this... Disc, we were doing stuff like I go to I go to Rio, so I had this pink sequence jacket I chuck on. Then we did our seventies disco, and we do these different sets, and that lasted for a little while. And I think we kind of went, let's go back to the suits. Yeah. And then when we went back to the suits, then it made sense with the whole jelly bean thing. Uh, and then with the jam was like, well, with the medley. So all of a sudden it was like, kind of worked, but it didn't actually wasn't that to start off with. Right. But the name came from that. Like I just wanted something fun. With a name like with a food in it or something where it didn't, no one took us really seriously. And again, we were just a band that wanted to play one night a week, do the Woolloomooloo, do the Academy. You know, maybe if we did 50, 60 gigs a year, we would have been happy, you know? And then this thing just kind of steamrolled. And then venues started picking us up, going, I like what you're doing, you know? And what, what we would do is we would have a, um, a snail mail. Like I would email, I would send letters we'd have a like a mailing list which we'd yep. 800 people back then so we'd lick the you know lick the envelopes send them out and we would do that every week and we we would write up these funny kind of things and have all the gigs on there and i remember sending it to the licensee at the general burke at the time because i would go to say the Birkenhead tavern and i'd hassle the bloke out and go can we get a gig you guys who are you mate i go like oh we're doing all these can i put you on the mailing list and then i send it to him and he start to see these gigs he go why, why can't I get this band? And it's funny because the guy at the General Burke is a great guy. He's, he, said, he wrote back to me. Uh, I, he wrote us an email, like a letter back and said, <laughs> I think you need to take me off your mailing list because I can't get, I'm not, because we used to play the Collector Tavern. Yep. And, and, uh, and, and at the time the Collector Tavern was like, you can't play the General Burke. So I was oh, like, is that right? Yeah, I think it was, or... If you did one, you couldn't do it within two or three weeks after, which oh, is right. great, which is how I plan my year now anyway. Like, I try to make sure we're not in the same area for a month or two, like, so we don't obviously impact the other room. Yeah, that's smart, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and then he goes, but every time I try to get a date off your agent, they told me I, I can't get in here, so there's no point in me getting this mailing list if I can't get you, but I really want you. 
So then we ended up playing the general work and we did the industry nights on a Monday night. And back then you'd have like once a month they'd have an industry night and they'd have a different band. And it was just like a Friday night. But again, it was all everyone around the area, the general work, the, the um, collector tab and Parramatta leagues. Everyone would know that's the night to go out if you work behind the bar or you're a manager or you whatever. And you go and see a live band. It was open to the public, but it was like, you know, free to, well, I can't remember whether it was free or not, but the industry people, but it was like an industry night. So that's how we started to roll with it. And then all of a sudden people started going, I like the concept. I like the, na- I don't like the, na- I don't know about the name, but yeah. it works. Yeah. yeah. So it was really a, it's just a, a Jimmy Jam, ter- like Jerry, uh, Jelly Bean Johnson, Jimmy Jam. And I went, right. that works. Yeah. Right. But it's not a great story. It's an awesome story. Is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Is that something, you kind of feel like when you're trying to explain it to people sometimes. I don't think I blinked, did I? I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, when do you think, when, when, did, when did you hit the peak? When did you think, was there an actual peak and then did you well, see it start to? It's, it's, we didn't really start doing a lot of corporate work till around the Olympics. So when 2000 right. came around, it kind of changed the whole structure of sydney so right home nightclub pontoon all those bars started to happen so yeah yeah so all of a sudden even friday nights go and see bands there's a real dip in going to see like the 90s were great you'd like i said you work five nights a week you do yeah. a wednesday night marble bar residency a thursday night at quakers a friday night at el ranch so and then all of a sudden the olympics came up and everyone was preparing for it and sydney was going through this big change and then all the cool nightclubs started happening and, and i think we hit our heights for the public side of it around the late 90s. And yep. always, they're going to be forever in my heart. Yep. Right? But then we went, okay, so I think we need to move with the times. And our repertoire wasn't stuck with being one hits or doing nerd songs. So we had the ability to change it up a little bit and actually go, well, we got great medleys. We, we fill dance floors. We can do the Neil Diamonds. We can do the Abbas, but we can also do the... On back, say, say for now, uptown funk, like modern stuff. But back then in the 2000s, we were starting to do some of the modern stuff that were out as well. And I think all of a sudden it was like, yeah, around the Olympics, we started, we, we did, I think, 13 days straight with functions in the Olympics. We, we did Leading one, up to? Yeah, or, or from the Olympics. Oh, from the Olympics. From the Olympics, yeah. yeah. But, but with SOCOG, they were great. We did uh, 300 days to, uh, we did a Giga Martin place, 300 days to the Sydney Olympics. 200 days and we go and do it and they do the oh, countdown. Really? So SoCog loved us and they gave us all this work and around that Olympics time. So I think then it kind of made us, you know, just before that and around that time it made us go, all right, well, there's a market for us. Like, And I'm so glad that we did because if we were to try to, you know, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be back, you know, back then. That's 26 years ago, 20, oh, that's, that's 2000, so yep. 19 years ago. Mm. But... We thought, okay, well, we can do this and we can find that market, and we did. And I think people started to then go, hey, we used to see you in the 90s. We're now booking this event, and, and you know, they might have been 23, 24, 25 in the 90s. All of a sudden, they're 31, 32. They could be a, you know, CEO or they could be a head of marketing or head of events. And yeah, I saw right. this great band, Jellies, like, right. you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, yeah, that, that corporate side started to really, really pick up, and... It ended up becoming that by the end of the 2000s, I think I, I, mean, I keep it on, I keep everything on file. We would do, say, you know, f- I think we were doing 70% public, 30% corporate, 50%, 50%. Now it's swung around and we'd probably do, say, 70% corporate and 30% 
or thereabouts, pubs and clubs. Mm-hmm. So, again, like I said, if we, if we were to be doing pubs and clubs all the time now, we would we do about 125 to 130 gigs a year. We wouldn't be doing, I reckon we'd do about 60, 70 gigs a year mm-hmm. if it was just pubs and clubs. Okay. And even then, because we, we tend to pull a crowd, but there's, yeah, so we can now, I mean, with the band now, we can do a dinner set. We can do, we never did dinner sets back in the 90s. We'll right. do them. You know, come on, Eileen, my Sharona, Devo, Jacksons. We weren't doing Nora Jones and stuff, but obviously you have to adapt to all that. Mm. And that's so. So nowadays, people go, they know the name. They don't. They might remember us from the nineties, but they're all a bit older too. But even if they've never seen us before, they go, "I've heard great things about you guys," or "You were at this charity ball that my friend saw." And so it's not even really seeing the band or knowing, having seen the band that. Mm. They want to. They they would like to book or at least inquire about it. You know. Mm. It also seems like at the moment too. There's this um, focus on those eighties, nineties. Yeah, type bands they're, now. they're massive, and they, and, they? They, yeah. and and you know that's great. Like there's and and there's yeah there's like never ending eighties out there. Who are yeah, absolutely killing it. Like yeah. I know Dave. Dave, uh, yeah, yeah, Dave's yeah. great guy, and and and. And Dave won't mind because I've, I've listened to the podcast with Dave. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Dave would come out when we were playing at the Clavelli and he was just uh, became a mate through friends. Yep. But he would come out and watch the band and Dave would be standing there at the Clavelli Hotel watching us. And, other, and then he ended up joining Masterpiece, played with them for, well, I think, some other bands with Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because, like, Dave was right amongst it in, the, in those 90s. So he has captured it so well with um, Adam. I don't know Adam, but with Adam and, and however they've done it. And, you know, they've got great backing behind them. But yeah. they it's just, they really found the right time to do it mm-hmm. and they've got the right concept and yep. it's just going gangbusters. And I, yeah. I, you know, I Lots of, wish, of people trying to copy it, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Not, not doing half the time. No, nah, I kind of wish that, you know, at the time. <clears> like, <throat> funny, like, in the 90s, so we did, uh, just to change it up a little bit, because we were with Southbeat back then and... Um, and and Steve Wade, a good buddy of mine, said, oh, back then the One Hit Wonders were doing like um, uh, One Hit Wonders does the best of the tribute bands or One Hit Wonders does a um, – they were doing shows. The Club Nerds were doing the Abba show. They were doing yep. a whatever. It was funny. So he goes, you guys should do a show just to break it up a little bit. So much to the, you know, dismay of my guitarist, who <laughs> Dave, he did it. But we, we had this whole – we called it Jelly Bean Jam Presents the Electric 80s. And we did it for about 12 weeks. And it went okay. Like, But we had, so, I mean, I was Andy Ant back then. So I, it's, I look at Never <laughs> Any 80s now and I go, you know what, in the 90s I'm going to put up the promo because I've still got it. Yeah. And I, I, had, I was Andy Ant, so I had the full Andy Ant thing. Um, our bass player, Rob, was Simon LeBob. Um, <laughs> our drummer was um, Dave Kirby, was Dave Ewell. Like we couldn't, he, he was, struggled to get one for Dave. But we had... Um, uh, um, our singer was Danielle, so she was Danny Lennox. We had another girl called Joanne, so she was Boy Joe. And then we had um, and Dave, our guitarist. He was uh, he was Davo, so he was dressed as Devo. But yeah, he right, was Davo. Right. And I loved it because I grew up in the 80s was for me, you know. Like, they were yeah. like, uh, and but to do an 80s show in the 90s just didn't have the same because you were going through that full the grunge thing was starting or whatever. Yeah. It didn't feel right. Yep. 30 years later, or 20, 30, 20 years later, the 80s thing now is like killing it. Yeah, and there's a great band out there, a guy called Chris Stretton. He's got a band called Bandcamp. And they're now doing this 
uh, and so they're doing a 90s concept and straight away with the gigs they started doing, I mean, I've just been following it on, on social media and, and you can see straight away they've captured it. They've got the teenage dirt bag, the weirdest, all that kind of stuff. They look right. the same way. And now it's kind of ready to do a 90s kind of tribute band because if you did it maybe last decade, it didn't feel like it could be done. So, so I think sometimes, you know, those songs will – we're doing songs – now that we did 20 years ago, that after 10 years I went, can we never do that song again? <laughs> but all of a sudden, yeah. Shania, man, I feel like a woman. Yeah. We go, why don't we pull it out? It goes nuts because the age group that's coming out to watch the bands, a lot of the bands these days, when we do these particular shows, they're 30, 35, 40 yeah. plus. That's what they're, I was getting to. Yeah. yeah. They're not the 18, 19, 20-year-old. Like they'll come out but they'll look at me and they'll go, you know, we, we don't still wear the coloured suits, although... Here's a, here's a tip. We're, we're, I think we're going to bring it back. Awesome. Because I think for a while there, we started becoming a little bit too serious because of the corporate. Right. And we felt like, and that was my directive to the guys, was like, I think, you know, and I, I was going through a bit of a time there where I, I didn't actually want to do the pubs and clubs as much anymore. I wanted to do the corporate. And not because of the, the pay structure. I just kind of went, you know what, I've just, I was a bit over it. Uh, and then, um, and then, but then all of a sudden, there was this shift, like you're saying, exactly what you're saying. The crowd of that age group started to go, hey, my kids, I mean, I've got an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old, so it's different. Like, and there's kids that might have their 18, 19, 20-year-olds, so they can go out now. Yep. So we're getting these groups of 10 to 12, 40-plus, 40 45-plus 40 people coming out. They have a great time. Yep. So all of a sudden, a lot of people that used to come out and see us in the 90s start to come out coming again. Back, yeah. So when I go and do these pubs and clubs gigs... I love it because I, I could probably I might know five or six seven people at a time at a time at the, on the night. So I and hence why I get the guitarist to do the set list because I want to go out and mingle, catch up with people I haven't seen in ages. So yeah. It, yeah, it's that shift and and all of a sudden that shift is great. You look at the crowds, eighties, never reading eighties are bringing in and stuff, and you look at it's great because there's no it doesn't feel like there's any ever ever any trouble. Yep. everyone's fun having a good time because they're they're reliving what they had in the 90s. That's it. And, and that's yeah. a good thing, you know, yeah. rather than there's there's not the angst that, you know, maybe kids are going through these days where everything's, they're so used to in, instant yeah. likes, instant, like someone like my post, someone like whatever, like I want to buy something, I want to buy it now, I want to, where's my email didn't come through, I, you, you sent it, did you send it? I didn't get it. Text didn't come through. Back then, you're reliving that, that kind of carefree 90s where it, like you said, man, you go to North Moon on a Thursday night and you just go, what are we doing this weekend? So I think it's kind of the same, that they're all friends. They might be parents. that They've met through school and they go, let's have a night out. I used to see this great band in the 90s. I used to see this great band in the 90s. Who? Oh, my God, let's do it. And they come out and they, have, and they go, what's that old bloke still doing on the stage? Yeah. <laughs> you know, amongst all the young'uns. Yeah. What's this bloke Well, doing? I used to come out and see this band called Jellybean Jam in the 90s and now I'm sitting with you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Here we are. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, now, going back to the Olympics. Yeah. Now, you guys played for the athletes. Yeah. Right. I've heard some stories about ah. some of those sort of athlete... Um, after functions. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy, Pretty yeah. crazy, mate. Right. We, the, the one we did at home nightclub was, um, was it was the last night, it was literally the last night of the right. Olympics. And that was, was just some, that was televised a bit, wasn't it? I remember. It might have been. I, I, I remember the the, uh, the Dutch 
swimmers because they carved up, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah, Inga yeah. How was the name? Inga de Bruin. Yes. Yeah. Inga de Bruin or something yeah. like that. And the other Dutch singer, uh, yeah. Dutch um, swimmer. Yeah, I remember seeing shots of them. Oh, that, it was it was great, man. Like that for us, that was the end of that real big thirteen days straight or whatever it was. And, right. And and at that time, we just gotten a new girl in, Rochelle. Like so, she just joined the band, and her first two weeks were thirteen gigs straight or yeah, right. eleven gigs or whatever it was. And the last night was home nightclub, upstairs, downstairs, going crazy. We were yep. massive stage, and I remember there was a. Um, there was the English rowing team, or one of them, like had one gold. So they're all walking, they're all dancing in the crowd. They got their gold thing, you know, <laughs> and I've gone, stop, stop, stop. Can I wear it? And they, and I like, stop the whole crowd and there. And then you know, because the good thing about that is you had a multi-national, like like a sorry, like an international crowd. Yeah, you weren't just playing, like you said, like you're playing to, you know, the Swedes, the Swedes you're playing to whatever. So the style of music we were playing. We played everything. We didn't just do Australian stuff. We did everything. So we'd do our ABBA. We'd do whatever. So they all know the songs, right? But even then, they're all celebrating anyway. They wouldn't care what you're playing, right? Yeah. So I've gone to the guys, like, can you stop? I just Can I grab that gold medal? So then this gold medal has just been sort of brought up along from person to person to person. You know, so I then wear this gold medal, right, on stage, and I'm singing away, going, how good is this, right? So after we finish, I'm like... Please, can this gold? We're not going to start till you hand it back to that person. So they were like the back of the room, and this gold medal's been handed back. Oh to wow! Them. And it was pretty cool. That's I'm cool. Like, Please yeah. don't lose that, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, so that was um, that was awesome, you know. Just again, just through all the corporate sponsors that worked around that time, that they the name really became sort of cemented in that corporate scene as well that yeah she's jelly bean jam did that did yeah that, yeah yeah and all of a sudden it sort of kick-started the the next whatever next phase you know yeah yeah but they were great though all of the part although you know we did a couple where we worked just where the sydney bridge climb is is now like next door and we did these four functions where we had to do a dinner set and had to do a, um we had two sets of gear back then so so we would just leave it turn back up again uh and then we'd go up Park, get in there. We do this dinner set, and these people would come along, have dinner, listen to the dinner set, and we're ready to do a, a set of dancing. They'll leave. They they all left. <laughs> so the, the organizer would go, "Don't worry, just just go home." So we do this like forty five minute set of nothing, and then finish and go home. Happened four times. So that they were quite easy. Those ones we didn't sort of work too hard in those. But that was just the thing around that time. There was right. so much going on. Sydney was. Buzzed up, you know. Yeah, but I kind of felt like it dropped a little bit after that. For the like I said, for the live entertainment, because those nightclubs started. The Darling Harbour was all the rage, you know, the Cockle Bay, all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. And people would then go. That new next generation would start going. Hey, it's cool, man. I'm going on Friday night and I'm digging the the, the DJs and the yeah. house and whatever it was back then. And I won't go and see a live band anymore. And the and a lot of the time. The, the city gigs had gone, mm. but then you'd hit the suburbs and the suburbs still liked them. Yeah, right. Rocking the suburbs, you know, yeah. Ben Foles. Like you go back out and you'd know you'd always do well out west or, you know, in the northern beaches and there'd always be a, still a decent kind of live feel, but venues are coming go, mm. as you know, venues yeah. are coming go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, for me it was, I first came to Australia in end of 95, yeah, end of 95, um, 
started playing in bands from 96, 96, 97, 98. Yeah, yeah. 99, I started discovering so the... right club. amongst it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then, for me, it was kind of... I was starting to cross over into that whole nightclub thing. Yeah. And then I ended up leaving the band so I could... Go out. <laughs> <laughs> Go out Young. for four days. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I kind of saw that, saw that sort of happen, you know. Yeah. Um, ended up coming back to it though. Yeah, it's it's nice, and I think, you know, there's the now. I think now there's a definitive. If you want to do that, you can do that. But this, like I said, that like we were saying, you know, that age. Like we played at the Sands the other night, and we haven't mm. been in the Northern Beaches for ages. Yeah, right. And I was a little bit worried about, but mate, it was great. It was yeah, right. So and it, it was, sounds good. Yeah, 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 and it was, but it was, but it was like a good. Even that, like they said, it was a bigger crowd than not, not so much the concert bands because concert bands are concert bands. But they were like, "Oh, geez, okay, I didn't expect you to get that much because it was a, a young guy. You know, he was cool. He right. was um, young guy that was um, managing the band, so probably hadn't even heard of us before, to be honest. Yep, he was probably younger than twenty five and, right. and hadn't really heard of us. All right, but uh, it's my daughter next door. Do you <laughs> no. want to stop it? No, no, she's oh, okay. there. no. <laughs> It's my daughter trying to grab a cookie oh, in the room next door. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, yeah, it's, it's good that the life scene's slowly picking back up again. You yeah. know, it's different, um, but it's, 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 it's good for us. It's probably not as good for other bands. Like some of the bands I know have said, you know, wish it was stronger. Yeah. I, I suppose if we hadn't have done that hard work in the 90s. Yeah, that's it. You know, that we yeah. wouldn't be having this conversation about we're going for 26, you know, 26 years. Exactly, yeah. To hit 25 years again, you know, I mean, that to me, I just, I said to you before, Stevie, like when we started the band, I was just like, man, I just want to play, you know. And back yeah. then I just want to front a band. I want to be silly, want to carry on. I don't, I don't want to play keyboards. I just want right. to muck around. And right. This was like the, the next kind of, as close as my acting could have been, I can be an actor on stage. I can muck around and I can do that. And, you know, and then I went along and did some, you know, the occasional home and away guest spot yeah. and, you know, All yeah. Saints and did some uh, heap of commercials. I was at the, the knicker bait guy for 12 months in the elevator, you know, like I was a lava life guy. Oh, that's that right, you were too. Yeah. The knicker bait guy. The guy, and I, I've never <laughs> smoked in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When that lava life was launched, I was like the lava life dude. So we'd be doing these gigs and it was a real funny ad. It was an ad about um, they were launching it in Australia and literally they were pretending that you had like a, like a remote. And then I was interviewing these girls at a sushi restaurant and asking them questions. And every time I didn't like someone, I'd flick them off. And, then, <laughs> and it was, you know, and by the end of it, it was like this girl asked me a question and I give her the wrong answer, so she flicks me. And the, the tag was, and Lava Life, I don't think he's around anymore, but it was when, but that's, it was like started all those things, like RSVP or whatever, but it said when, when singles click. So we'd be doing gigs at pubs and then, you know, 12.30 at night and all of a sudden... My ad turns up on the TV <laughs> and I get one of the girls hitting me in the arm going, there you are. And I go, oh, God, yeah, yeah, singles click, off. singles click, please, no. But it was, it was a funny ad. It wasn't like one of those real, you know, call me, call me. It was just yeah. a real, it was a clever ad. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I kind of had my acting on the side and then I was, act, I was acting in Jelly Bean Jam, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah. and never, like I said, never have said, I always felt like I was more of an actor than a, like a, perform, a performer. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a story. Like this, this actually funny last week. 
when you start doubting yourself a little bit and you start sort of thinking, oh, I've, you know, my use by date, all that kind of stuff, and how do I feel about it? I mean, at the age that I'm at now with an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old, I love spending time with my kids. So every now yeah. and then, um, I mean, I work from home so I can pick them up from school and do whatever. My wife works a pretty uh, high, you know, high tough sort of job and she does the nine to five i still work at home like i'm working all the time but i've got the the leniency you know and then sometimes you go oh geez i wish i was just at home watching a movie with them on the lounge tonight it's too cold to get up and do the gig yeah but went to a a funeral on monday you know and and literally this funeral was um um we did a cruise back in 2013 so we've done those big sort of choose your cruise and we did this um, this and we met this Love, lovely bunch of when well, they're they're probably older than the forty. They're probably in the mid fifties, right? Or probably even late fifties. Some of these people, group of twelve, like twelve to fourteen Italian people. They ended up knowing one of the the, the girl Natasha in the band's parents, right? Local to here. We didn't know they were local. We're doing this cruise. Roosters were playing the grand final in 2013. I couldn't even go to the freaking game. I had to watch it anyway. That's another story. But <laughs> uh, killed me. But anyway, so we're there, and, we're, and, we're, and as we're um. We just meet these people, lovely people. They all come up on these cruises. You're basically amongst them for twelve, for seven days. And they're chatting away and we got on really well. And I, I think I like to have a bit of a chat, you know. <laughs> so got on really well with them, found out they were at five. One actually lived around the corner from me. Mm. Lady got ill, um, lovely lady. Yeah, she got ill. And she um, and I went to the service on Monday and I and um, it was packed, you know. And, and literally... She's chat. The son got up and started chatting, and you know, and one, and he said all this stuff how she loved Daryl Braithwaite and horses and all that kind of stuff, and and he said, Mum even you know would drag us out to see Jelly Bean Jam, right? And I wow, and like that kind of like I went and I didn't expect to hear right. the name Jelly Bean Jam up there, right? right? And then even they finished the 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 little talk, and then the even the priest goes. What about those, what about Jelly Bean Jam? Aren't they great? Like I'm going. This is the Catholic priest going. What about right. Jelly Bean Jam? I'm going. I'm not sure what gig you came to. Was I foul mouth? Was I <laughs> encouraging people to swear? I don't know. Like, but it kind of made me realise how what we give, you know, like realistically, like you could be having a crap day, you could be having a whatever, you could have the biggest migraine. And when I was saying to you before about. I see myself as an entertainer, a performer, like mm. an entertainer more than a singer. Mm. I, I think just looking at that and hearing them say that kind of hit home a little bit. And I went, you know, even if I say I want to retire or do whatever, what we as entertainers and performers give to people that don't do that mm. and they spend their Friday nights and Saturday nights and they come out and they watch the band and, you know, you could be having a shit night, but they don't know that. And if yeah. you don't show them, you know, that exactly. that's happening... They're there with their friends and, you know, even f- for us, I mean, I, I kind of, I think I'm a sociable guy and even the, back in the 90s, as I said before, I met so many people from the band but it was just because I was happy they were coming to see the band. So we'd be on stage and if I knew someone in the crowd, like, I'd make sure that I'd at least I contact them or give them a wave. Yeah, cool. And, and, and without trying to sound pompous, like, the guy next to that guy would turn around and go, I know the bloke in Jelly Bean Jam. they go, oh, you do not. I was just a cover band, like really, it was just a cover band. Yeah. But then next set, song, I give him a little wave and his mate looks at him and goes, what? And we all become mates. They come up and they have a beer with you afterwards and they yeah. have a chat. The next week they come back, they bring their mates. The next week they come back. So going back to even with that, I mean, we just became friends with these people. I see them locally now and, and her husband's such a lovely guy without harping on what happened. But yeah. it just makes you 
it just sort of hit home a little bit and I went, yeah. wow, like, you know, like to hear that at someone's funeral. Yeah. You go, man, you know, like you never want to take for granted what, you've, what you're allowed to do. And it's, it's not, you know, my, my best mate will say to me, I go, man, I'm really lucky to have been in the band for 26 years. 26 years. He goes, man, he goes, shut up. He goes, you worked your ass off for 26 years to get where you are. You're not lucky. You've done it. But yeah. I think I'm lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. Is my point. You know, like not lucky that I've been able to do it, but lucky that I can do it. Yeah. And then and get that reaction. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes when you're in a shit mood and you see people having a great time, by the end of the night, you know, you might be going, Well, that's good and you feel better about yourself. Yeah. 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 I was gonna yeah. ask you what keeps you motivated, but I think you've I think that's pretty you've much answered it, that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. just that whole thing, mate, like, you know, we've been able to go to Singapore. We've travelled in the 25 years, we've done gigs in the States. Yeah. You know, illegally. Illegally. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. In the 90s, right? Like, just, um, yeah, that's another story. But then, but then, um, then we, you know, we've been flying to Bali. We've done Beijing. We've done, like, you know, the, the Singapore Ozchambal six years in a row. Like, they never booked the same band more than one year in a row. Mm. We'd done it a couple of times before that, over three years. Mm. And then one day they said, oh, we'll book you back the next year. I'll book you back in the next year. And actually, after that second year, I thought, oh, it wasn't as good a night. They won't book us back. Book us back again. Right. This year must have been a shit year last year because they haven't booked. No. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did say we, 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 we want to try something. And I actually would say to them, I'd always email them and go, guys, I would not be offended if you did something different this year. Because, you know, for us, that's how we run our business. We want to make sure I'll offer you something else. And they would go, no, 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 book it in, book it in. So this year I said, the same, I always ask the same question. They go, look, put it on hold. And then they come back and say, look, we're going to try something local for this year. I said, that's cool. But that's not to say we don't want you back. We might get you back next year. I said, look, don't even, don't even have to say that. Like mm. the fact that we've had the opportunity to go mm. to Singapore and play, it's great, you know. Yeah. For yeah. us, it's like a whole new, you're playing to Australian audiences. All of a sudden you're playing to Australian audiences over there, but also international and yeah you know when you say what motivates you i mean getting older it's harder yeah it's harder and and you know like you said before it's it's for you it's you know with young kids too they're my main focus now i'm not my family my you know and i I think i've given enough to the industry over three and a half thousand gigs 26 years that sometimes i feel like i go i I really want to have a night off and i get a bit guilty but then my, even the guys in the band, we, we've got people that fill in. So, we, so we're, we're lucky enough if someone's crook, someone can fill in, you know, or with two girls up front. If I'm crook, I just look at them and they can jump on board and the girls will do more songs, you know, or vice versa. Mm. And sometimes they go, oh, shit, you, know, you know, what would happen? But then I think the name will always, you know, as long as I've hopefully I mean, a part of it, which I will be, mm. and even if I decide one day to hang up my boots full-time, and I semi-retire from it, I'll always, you know, want to come back and do the occasional gig here and there. But yeah, I think, I just hope it's just been fixed up well enough and done well enough that people understand to be part of that band, this is what it's all about. Mm. And then it just sort of rolls on and rolls on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, I mean, your face is synonymous with the band. Yeah, unfortunately. So to be able to do, <laughs> to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be tricky. It's tough, you know, you'd, and, you'd and, and that's, to, yeah, and sometimes you kind of... You'd have to have your replacement kind of... Yeah, look the same. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe not look the same, but, like, 
I know sharing the gig and you stepping away and yeah, and I think that's the, yeah. Like that, yeah. To be honest, I mean, I've, I've um, with, again with kids like my, my my little one Ava, she's just she's kicking goals acting. At the yeah, 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 she, yeah. She's um she's just really like she's eight and she's like a little act like she's yeah she's just I don't know where she was in a movie with Olaf, eh? Yeah, she's been in. She's just finished her fifth film. Right. right. So, what I yeah, meant by Olaf is uh, Josh Gad. Josh Gad, yeah. yeah. Lupita Nyong'o. Like right. she's in a film called Little Monsters. Yeah. Just filmed. Um, she's in a film called Dirt Music, which is a Tim Winton book, mm-hmm. um, with some Amer- like an American actor, Garrett Hedlund and Kelly McDonald, who was in Nanny McPhee in Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Julia Stone plays her mum from Angus and Julia Stone. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then um, and that zombie film is just coming out. So all the stuff that she's done in the last two years are actually starting to. Now be released. She did yeah. a film with Hugo Weaving called Hearts and Bones. It's a small scene, um, and we just flew over to. Um, I can say this, but yeah, but she flew over and she did a film um, called. She's doing a film called Kate, where she plays a young version of a lady called Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Right. She's got to go back and do a scene with Woody Harrelson. Like my eight-year-old daughter's going to film with Woody Harrelson, and we flew over to. Wonder Thailand. which Woody, Woody Harrelson you get. What's that? Wonder which Woody Harrelson oh, yeah. you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and and I think, um, and I'm and my title, I joke about it, but I'm dadager. So I, dadager, I, I, yeah. I look. We, you know, my wife does a great job as well. But I, I suppose I tend to sit in this office here. We do self tests. We get it all done, and we do so much work on it. And she really. She just gets it. And my son was doing it for a while too, but he's now semi-retired. He's retired mm. at the age of 11. Dad, well, I don't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah I don't want yes. to do it. You know, like, I just want to play my video games and do it, <laughs> which I love. You know, and, and I was a bit disappointed when he said to me, I don't want to do it, Dad, because you know, as a parent you go, but I wanted to. And I'm, and I'm living you know, through my daughter, right, I mean, to be honest. Gotcha. I, mean, I haven't worked for a couple of years. I'm going, really? Oh, could I, maybe there'll be a supporting role. Out of the way, role. this is how I'd do yeah, it. a supporting role for me in there, <laughs> just to walk on. Funnily yeah. enough, in that Little Monsters, both Jack, my son, and... Um, I'm just looking at the battery, sorry. Yeah, yeah, both Jack, my son, and myself, we got to be zombie extras in the film, you know. Oh, wicked. And it was fun. I was on set all, all the time, and they just go, hey, dads and mums, like, do you want to just be in it? I said, yeah, and... and it was great for me. It was just like I had to put three hours worth of makeup on my my throat slit and stuff like that. And that that's really been the other inspiration for me too. Is like that you know if I've gotten bored with the band, I then have this other side of it. Other than the back to back roosters, two thousand and eighteen nineteen, uh, I've got that. Oh. <laughs> Did I throw that in? You know, I was saying I can cut things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, then I've got the um, I've got that happening. Um, you know, the, the senior kids get older, and that's and. And I didn't start playing music till I was 13, 14, 15. So yeah. when you look at your kids and you go, oh, Jack, you don't want to play. Like you've got, you started playing guitar when you were seven. Don't want to do it anymore, Dad. I've got all the keys here. I've got, yeah, yeah. you know, guitars here. I'm, Tell me about it. Yeah. And, and I don't play. I can't play them. Yeah. I muck around on them. But I, want, I have them in this room so they can come in and go, Dad, can I? So but good enough, Jack started learning trumpet at school. Cool. And they got a performance, like they did a school performance. He's, you know, it's more like fart noises at the moment, but it's good. It's <laughs> hilarious. And my daughter's playing flute, you know, but I'm so happy that they've picked it up finally, you know. And, yep. and I would go, Jack, you don't want to do it. And I was disappointed when he said he didn't want to act anymore. But then I go, hang on a sec, man. You didn't do it till you're 13, 14, 15. And really, from my parents' point of view, I'm the only one that's ever done this the, the kind of band music stuff and the acting stuff. So it wasn't like it was honed in from 
my parents, and we grew up in a, obviously different kind of whole, you know, like, you know, wog parents would be going, why do you want to be a, you know, you're not an actor, go and work. Like, no, they never had a problem with that. Mum and, and dad too when he passed over. Then mum for the last 30 years, like, you know, would come to my gigs regularly. Like, she, you know, she she would come until 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning and then to the point where she would struggle with the driving and then I would just go, Mum, I'll pick you up and take you home. You know, but she'd always sit there and go, that's my boy, you know, like, <laughs> it's beautiful. So I miss, awesome. I miss that as well. But yeah. you'd see them come along to the gigs and she would be very, um, you know, like, I think when Dad was passing away, like, my mum sort of said to my dad, oh, I'm a bit worried about him. Mum told me this about 15 years later. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit worried about, you know, he wants to be a musician. Back then I was only really first band, you know, like we were all, back then it was like, we're going to be rock stars. We're going to, we would write our originals and do, pull them out at the gig and go, this one was from Pseudo Echo, you know, like that. Yeah. It's a B-side, it was one about whatever, you know. Like, yeah. And he said to mum, he goes, if he wants to do it and he's good enough, let him do it. And I, and I never heard that till about 15 years after right. and I kind of went, cool, you know, that that's, that's good. cool. That's good. That's, that's, um, it was nice to know, you know, mm. yeah. Yes, it's kind of passing that on now. Yeah, and so with my kids too, I'd say that, I'd say that Jack and Ava, like whatever you want to do, you do. Um, if Ava decides to turn around tomorrow and say I don't want to do it anymore, I'll, I would smack her across the head and go, yeah, yeah. are you serious? No, I would go, that's cool. But Bring stuff, up casting and see if you can do it instead. Yeah, 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 I can put on the baby <laughs> voice. Like, but, you know, with, with her stuff, I've gone, I spent five weeks in Perth last year, yep. you, know, which I, you know, which was awesome. So I got to stay on set with her for five different weeks. My wife went for a week. We did a week in Thailand. Like, you kind of, like, I dig it. I just go, yeah, what, what do you got next, Ava? What do you got next? What can I uh, sponge off next, you know? Right. Yeah. And then Jellies is kind of looking after itself in That's the meantime. It. Yeah. And to be honest, you know, Stevie, if something major was to come out of it, like, I'm talking out of my ass right now, but she's done some great stuff already. She's got a pretty good resume for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, if something was to happen with her, then I kind of know the age that I'm at. I go... Do I want to keep – and I love singing. I don't. Or do I want to – you know what I'm I saying. I know what you And, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough call, but, mate, I mean, that's that's the next. Yeah. You never know what happens, you know. You yeah. never know what happens. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Now, at what stage um, did you see yourself as more than just the performer? When did you start seeing, well, man, I think I'd like to start booking this band mm. and yeah. managing this band and – because, you know, you would have been, because you, you were saying Jellies was with Southbeat early yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and then you've kind of got it set now where, where it's just, it's all you guys now. Yeah. You've got well, your own yeah. agency and basically. Well, we, yeah, I think sort of around the, you know, I think we, we had our various people looking after us and all that kind of stuff. And then I just, I suppose I was always hands on anyway. And like I said earlier on, I would go out to venues and I'd actually introduce myself and I'd be the, and I'd be the, chatter and you know how you going and because I was a front man in the band as well and I owned the band all of a sudden it just made it really easy to for them to start talking to me and, and I think I think by the time I decided that um I started working at Southbeat for a while mm. uh with for about four or five years with Chris Cook with um with Wadey uh and and, and um and I was looking after all the jelly staff and at that time too what would happen was we get all these inquiries for jellies that they they go oh you know we 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 would get like about three hundred and fifty inquiries a year off our website like that's that's massive it's different now because there's so much 
so much op- not, not opposition, but so much uh, you know, so many different bands out there. So many websites. Mm. The, the internet has just progressed as well. You know, but yep. back say ten years ago, it was a little bit more primitive websites. If you had a good website, people knew the band. Then I would just go. I oh, could look. We're booked out. We're booked out. And then I just ring my mates up and I go, "Hey man, there's a there's a gig here if you want it." And they go, "Oh, that, that's cool, man. Like like, what do you want?" I go, "Oh no, no, don't worry. Like I'd rather someone get it, you know." Mm. And then it happened the next week. Then it happened twice the week after. And mm. all of a sudden, I went to rob my business partner. Like, well, at the time I was I thought I was talking to South Bend. I went, "These have to go somewhere." So I, I could possibly make a business out of this because. Realistically, they want they the initial inquiries for us, yeah, and yeah. they they liked what they saw with Jellies. So we had another band called Peppermint Jam working for a while, yep. and literally the inquiries would go like, if it wasn't us, it went to Peppermint Jam, and then it got even bigger than that. Then I thought, well, cool, okay, we got you know one hit wonders, we got all these other bands. So then we decided to put together uh, a company, a website, and on that website it had about four or five bands to start off with. Mm. To the point now where it's probably got about 40 or 50 in it and it's going to be updated again. But the whole thing about it is with this party band site, we don't actually look after the bands direct. We just, we're like a, like a portal, if you can call it that, yeah, like, yeah, you know, right. like a consultant. So someone emails us, we're booked, and, they, and straight away they, I say to them, hey, look, I'm, I've been in Jellies for 26 years. We've done all those venues. We, we, we know the work quite well. Then they have that trust in you and mm. they go, oh, cool. Well, what can you get me? And I'd send them referrals and they might say to me, who do you think? And I go, well, look, it depends what you want because these bands are all different. This, this band's good at this, this band's good at that, mm. or it's your call and promo's good, so it sells itself. So eventually I think, yeah, I just kind of, as that was becoming more and more prevalent that we were just handing off work to other people, I thought, well, and, and also with the whole thing of like getting a little bit older, going... So if I'm still singing jellies at the age of 60 and that's all I do, um, <laughs> that's a little bit, yeah, what it's am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. you know. I'm You'd be the wobblies. Look, we did a gig last Friday at uh, Ride Eastwood and it was a great crowd um, and I did the old, you know, went out in the crowd and some lady was getting quite romantic with her husband on the, on the, on the chair and so I sort of looked at her and she looked at me and then I basically sat on his lap. You know, the cabaret side of me is always going to come out. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've always called Jellies when it was at its height yep. and we went away from it and now I'm trying to bring it back as pub cabaret. like Pub, pub cabaret, we, cool. Yeah, well, we do clubs, but when we do our pubs, it was always I felt like it was a bit more of a pub cabaret kind of feel. Like I'm that pub cabaret kind of guy that I, I'm happy to take the piss out of myself. I, I said to you, I, I don't think I've got a great voice and I'll probably talk myself down enough, but I feel like I've got a f- likeable face. And if I'm out there, I want to muck around with the crowd and I feel like that is that is a big part of Jellies, as you said before. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, yeah, I thought if I'm going to keep doing that to the age of whatever, it's Kel and Andy, you know. And yeah. So that's how that whole thing of like was, well, but I'm kind of good at booking the band. I'm kind of, I know the rooms. I know the client. I know how to talk to clients. I know, I know what's a good band and what's a, not a good band and I'm yeah. happy to, and then, it's been nice. It's, there, there are a lot of bands that we help out or we book that, you know, maybe they're saying nice things about me to my face, but <laughs> but I think I feel like they respect me and they, and they will ask me advice and they'll say, yep. look, in this instance, what would you do? If we want to get promo done, what would you do? And I kind of, it feels nice. It feels nice that I go, okay, well, so maybe I am doing the right thing 
and they're getting the work and then they'll, they might say, we've done this, what do you think? And I'll go, look, I think that'll work, but if you change it a little bit and they'll might listen to me, you know, and they, yeah. a lot of the times they do and I go, oh, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, so then moving into this next phase of my life, yeah, I mean, if it means that I've still got a handle on what's going on out there and I've still... Look, with jellies, I suppose to, you know, when we say we, we change, we modify, we've got... Um, you know, younger people than me in the band. So when this whole social media stuff started coming out and really the last two or three years, um, Natasha, one of the girls in the band, she, she joined the band on our 20th anniversary, all right? So she was 20. So when, when I said Natasha joined the band live on stage, we gave her four or five days of, um, you know, tr- that week we had four gigs in a row, so she'd come and trial. And by the second gig we went, yeah, she's great. So... When we announced that she was joining the band at the age of, you know, on our 20th anniversary year, she wasn't even born when the band first started. And that's when you start to date yourself and you go, <laughs> really? You know? Oh, man. But, you know, but and we've got Michelle in the band who's fantastic. She's yep. been in the band for seven or probably oh, eight years. Yep. Adam, our guitarist for 12 years, a drummer for probably well, 2005, you know, the bass player for, for six years and he filled in before that. I think, um, so... We always try to change it. Like, I don't just stay with the same look, routine. But, you know, if one of the young kids, like, comes up and says, hey, why don't we try this? I might veto it and say, I don't think that's going to work, but I'll give it a go. Mm. And if it doesn't work, or I might say, that'll work in this room, but I don't think that'll work. So I'm open to ideas. Yeah. But I'm, and sometimes I'll say, flat no, I don't think it's going to work, right? But, but then I also want to make sure that we're constantly evolving and changing. So when I step down eventually, it's not going to be, you know, the, the jellies of, you know, although I'm trying to bring that kind of vibe back for the pubs. I'm trying to bring that vibe back for the, for the crowd that's coming to see us live. That's, you know, that's, that is our market. When we do the corporate show, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. Black tie, gotcha. dinner sets, we work what's going to work there. But So if you don't keep evolving the act yeah. and listening to what's around you, and we were talking about technology before and, mm. You know, Natasha does an amazing job on social media and she'll video at the gigs. And I sort of, you, you would have seen it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and she does amazing stuff and little funny quotes and then I'll jump on and put something on there. And, That's it. And, and even now we're trying to, um, I've been a bit slack, but I will go back and rehash a lot of the old videos that we had from before. And, you know, with this whole Instagram thing, you've got that IGTV, Instagram TV, Man, which is use, great. use now. it. It's, I use it all the time. It's awesome. We yeah. started, we put up one thing, but I've just right. got to start doing it. And yeah. even trying to do like Friday, Flashback Fridays or whatever, there's right. so much good content that we can put up that people go, oh my God, when you played at Wendy Leagues and you put that video up, I think I was at that gig, like 25, you know, yeah, like, yeah. so I've got to pull my finger out a little bit, you know, and get right. stuck into it. So, but there's so much I want to put out there to show that, I, that I've kept because I, I document, I film, I document, I've always done it, I've always had stuff. Even with my kids, right. I'm the bloke there that's got all this footage and when they get older, you know, when we grow up, we didn't have the Super 8s in our family. We yeah. could, probably couldn't afford, maybe not afford, my parents wouldn't know what it was. Mm. But back then, you know, you, you sort of try to video everything and, and, and have yeah, it all yeah. there. So when you go back and, and you look at the, my kids will remember what their yaya or their mum, what my mum was like yep. not so much because of they remember her they do remember her but they'll see a video and they'll go that's it I remember yeah yeah because yep. I remember being there but they might not remember they were there but they'll remember the video yeah gotcha. and it's such a such a we talk about technology being 
back then was great, not having all that, but it's so good having it now because sure. I kind of wish I had footage of my old man and more of my mum when she was younger just so you could see what was going on. You could you get a look of life and, you know, you could understand what they were doing, you know. So, yeah, yeah so we're saying that with, with evolving with the band and, and Natasha putting all that stuff up and just regular kind of stuff, it's... People just laugh. They go, oh, my God. And, and it is that whole thing of those people going, I used to see you guys back in the 90s. Oh, my God. I so many posts on Facebook when people post something up. Someone, someone that won't know us, like you'll see the comments say, oh, my God, are they still going? Yeah. You know, oh, my God, are they still going? And, yeah, yeah. and it's great. To be honest, when we were doing our 25th anniversary last year, we were thinking about doing um, – massive big night like we did for our 20th anniversary we, we had 700 people there but and back then that was before the big events of, on facebook started to happen so i thought we could have actually gone more and i kind of planned it all and then literally at that time um ava got a role in in dirt music right so where i planned to do it we were going to be away so i thought it was too hard right. um, but then i wanted to do about six or seven dates around and pick like a Winnie Leagues, pick like a venues that we played at in the big auditoriums. Yeah. And I was going to call it, um, oh, what did I say? My wife thought it was stupid, but I went, um, <laughs> the, are they still going to a, you know, like, <laughs> Jelly Bean Jam, are they still going to a, you know, like, so like that, because yeah. it's what people say. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's hilarious. Like, they go, are, are they still going? I used to see them at, <laughs> oh my God. And realistically, yeah, we are, it's crazy that after 26 years, you know, someone said it the other night at that Sands. I used to see you guys at the, the Charlie Bar back in the 90s. Are you the only one left? I'm going, yeah, 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 I'm 50. They go, really? Are you? You're not the same bloke? I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, whatever. But it's, it's, it's nice. Like, You're like Anthony Wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> if I could be as skinny as him. Yeah, like, but, you know, I, and funny story about the Wiggles. I, can I tell you one story? Yeah, okay. yeah. So it was, when, when we first started, with Jelly Bean Jam. So we used to rehearse at the um, at the castle, so Noisegate. Do you remember Noisegate yeah, Castle? Yeah. So we used to rehearse there when we first started. And um, That building ended up burning down. There's a castle I was here now, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I, I forgot where it was. We were there the other, near there the other day at a some kid's jumping castle thing. Oh, yeah, I, you I, went yeah. to Flip Out or something. Yeah, Flip Out, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't remember where it was. Uh, Victoria Avenue, yeah, right on the corner there. It was there, okay, yeah, cool. There's a Hyundai dealer there. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were in there, and um, Greg from the Wiggles, Greg Page, Page, Greg Page, lovely bloke. We've done some events with him, but funny, Greg was managing the cockroaches at the time, so we were rehearsing downstairs, and he'd sit upstairs in the, in the the office, and I go out and pay, and I was again that little that, the kid who always asked questions. I'd always want to know, and he was doing the cockroaches at the time, and um. He might, probably won't like me saying it's not a bit. So back, so I go and have a chat with Greg, and you'd always chat about stuff and what are you doing and this and that, and and then they hadn't. I don't think they really. They might have just started the Wiggles in '93. I think they started the year before. I can't remember. So then, when we had that big snail mail email, like the the, the um the snail mail, the mail out mailing is right. Yeah. yeah. So um, Greg Page. Greg Page? Yeah, was, was, yeah, yeah Greg Page, yeah. I don't know why I'm going blank. Greg Page was on that. Jeffrey Fat was on that. Right. Right, wake up, Jeff. Right. So then we, um, they were on the mailing list, right? So then we used to play the El Rancho and, and Greg came down a couple of times. I remember at one stage he was sitting there and we had the coloured suits, right? And he was like two or three seats behind me and he was just sort of watching the whole band. And, again, if he ever hears this, he'll probably go, yeah, right, Andy, but... <laughs> 
all of a sudden they were wearing colours. Not saying that it came from us. Ah, not yeah. saying, because it might not have. I can't remember. Right. I, did, I knew him, but not well enough. We'd see him at the... But it was very much that... that and it's funny that we always used to get called the Wiggles. Is that right? Yeah, gigs. Like, what are you, the Wiggles, mate? You know, like, you know so it was... Um, yeah, we were here first, mate. Yeah, yeah, but it was great. So, you know, having learned all that, having chats with him and stuff like that, we talk about the... You know, that side of it. And, and what about the Wiggles? I mean, how good did they do in the 90s? Oh, yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. You know? Yeah. So we did a function with Greg about two or three years ago and we'd do it every year for Fit Kids and he, we were just chatting and I'd bump into him every, every now and then in the street and we'd say good day and, and i go, man, he goes, man, mate, how good are you guys? Like 26 years. I go, oh, what about you guys? I mean, he's obviously not in the band anymore, the, the, yep. in the act anymore, but... Yep. I go, mate, but you guys are going, no, mate, 26 years, like to do this for 26 years. Yeah. And, and you kind of then have to, again, you say, you know, I'm, when I say my mate, I'm, I'm pretty lucky, he goes, no, mate, you worked hard, but yeah. I feel lucky that I've been able to do it for 26 years is, is the yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Karyophilus. Bro, thanks so much for what oh, we Again, I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah, man, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. been 12 months in the making, but I really, I really admire what you're doing. The, oh, thank the you, Live podcast is it's awesome, man. Thank and you, bro. Thanks for, for you know chasing me up again. Sweet, I'm a slack ass. Too but easy. So good to talk. It's so easy to talk. It, you, it's so weird that it's so easy to talk about it because as you get older, you go to a party sometimes and you're hanging out with people and sometimes you're at the point where you don't want to talk about what yeah, you do. Yeah. And then people will say, you're in a band. Oh, and, and if they've never heard of the band before, they might go, um, oh, what do you do? What sort of stuff do you do? And you kind of go, oh. And you don't want to sound pompous and go, man, I've been going for 26 years. You've yeah. never heard of the band, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you kind of then go, sometimes you don't feel like you want to talk about it because you actually can go, what do you do? And they go, oh, I, you know, I do this, I do that. Because I, I, but today, I don't know, man, it just felt like it just rolling out. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good. Yeah, it's like a therapy, eh? It is good, say. yeah. Yeah. But you've certainly got something to celebrate. I mean, 26 years, it's impressive, man. Yeah. Thank you. You know, yeah. if you'd only been doing Jelly Bean Jam for 10 years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fucking waste my time with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. Good, man. Well yeah. done. Thanks, dude. Yeah, awesome, Andy. Yeah, All right, later, brother. Bye, man. See you, man.